You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Hello, I'm Stuart Bowes. Welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. Today I'm talking to Dan Hutchins, who's a key account manager from Waterplus. Dan, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Today's topic, ladies and gents, it's mainly for the public sector, but I think anyone, uh, I think you'd agree, Dan, can, can listen and learn about it. It's about how the climate emergency can offer a challenge, but also an opportunity, particularly for public sector organisations. So let, let's just start with that, Dan. When we talk about a climate emergency, I suppose everyone thinks, you know, we just had the hot summer and everything like that. We only really think of water when we see things like my lawn. Uh, and by the way, I'm amazed, ladies and gents, how grass, how tough is grass? <laughs> Two months back, my lawn was just like a pavement and now it's come back to being completely green and lush. But that's when I thought about water, right? So luckily I didn't have a, a, a hosepipe van, but everyone, like, you just don't use it. And obviously you look at where things are on the ground was parched and it was very dry and we all know what was going on. Is that when we really think about the climate emergency? Because now as we're entering winter, most of us won't be thinking about water, will we? I think uh, when, you, when you think of water, certainly sort of times that we've had during the summer does uh, bring it to the uh, focus of people. But I think with sort of public sector over a period of time, it's been something uh, that they've uh, understood they've got to really uh, work on. Obviously, an, an awful lot of organisations have declared the, uh, climate emergencies and they recognise the impact and the serious uh, damage around the world and need to put you know, actions and uh, strategies in place to achieve um, net zero. And I think when you see what's happened during the summer, I think that emphasises the need for action. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of a climate emergency, I mean, look, let's, let's be honest, it sounds great, doesn't it? I've declared a climate emergency. But what does it actually mean? You know, you've got to do something, haven't you? You have. I and mean, obviously, uh, different organisations are obviously looking at it a different way. I mean, to give an example for you, one of the organisations that uh, we've recently been working with, Stockport NHS Trust, yeah, uh, through the Pagabo Agreement, and uh, what their objective was, part of their green plan, which they developed in 2021, uh, was to look at ways of, you know, how they can become carbon neutral by 2040. You know, so the work that, you know, Water Plus did with Stockport uh, NHS Trust was things like water checklists and guides to, you know, help identify areas where quick wins, quick improvements can be made, but also the continuation of things like water efficiency packs. Because uh, I think the key thing is we've all got a part to play. Um, it's not just not just sort of procurement or finance uh, or energy managers. It's everybody in that organisation to do their bit to sort of try and drive that water efficiency. What is that? You know, the, the idea of water efficiency, the, I, I swear, the way I see it, and you can correct me, Dan, is I see it as passive and active, right? So a passive one is I go and where I've gone, they fitted all the taps. So they only do a little bit of water if I touch them and things like that. So I don't have to think as, as a user. The active is like when I brush my teeth and I used to be so guilty of it when I was younger, just running the tap. Yeah. Now I just oh, turn it off quick, brush my teeth, then I use the water. And that's the thing, isn't it? For sector organisations, it's that mix of passive and active, isn't it? It is. I mean, if you think with a lot of sort of public sector organisations, 
lot of their sort of portfolio is potentially aging. And it's trying to encourage users to, at all levels, to you know identify if they see a leak, if they see a dripping tap, uh, to report that, report that back to their maintenance teams. You know, so obviously if they do that, then the leak can be identified and repaired quickly and potentially save uh, money for that organisation. But it, it's an ongoing process to be able to sort of do that. And with Water Plus, as I say, we, you know, we sort of carry out with work with our customers. Obviously, we deal with councils, schools, NHS trusts, emergency services, um, where we sort of work with them to get them to understand their water consumption understand their changing portfolios. If you think throughout the sort of period of COVID, a lot of organizations working patterns have potentially changed, but at the same time, they still have a portfolio uh, of builders that they need to understand. Uh, a lot of organizations are reviewing their portfolio. So it's very important to understand what uh, structure you've got within your organization to ensure that um, you're doing all you can to make certain that you know, you're reducing the potential of uh, leaks and uh, reducing uh, your water consumption. Uh, we'll talk about frameworks in a moment, but just following on that last point, I, I think it, obviously it's, it's important for every business, but with a public sector organisation, it's our money, right? Obviously. So there's something slightly more involved. Do you think there's more of a, an, an onus on public sector organisations to inform staff to get the staff buy-in do you know what i mean to get that behavioral change that psychologists talk about you know making sure people are now thinking much more i think people do think about lighting i don't know if people think about water the same way yeah i mean if you think we're a lot of public sector organizations you know they're multi-site um, businesses if you like so yeah uh, from that point it's really important it is driven down in a number of different ways so Yes, can be driven down through procurement, through energy teams, through uh, sustainability teams, uh, but also working with uh, Water Plus. I mean, we sort of uh, carry out sort of seasonal campaigns where we supply information and checklists, if you like, to encourage uh, um, all users of water to look at things that uh, is going to impact that organisation. So essentially save water, save money for an organisation. But it's again driving out that message that uh, everybody's responsible for sort of looking in terms of them reporting if they see whether it be a, a dripping tap, uh, looking out for leaks. Um, or or, or see, seeing your mate, uh, you know, constantly leaving the tap running, that sort of stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah, even down to like, you know, number of times you put the kettle on to boil yeah, a, I know. a cup of tea. I mean, every time you sort of uh, use hot water, then obviously that's a knock-on effect uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, your energy cost. Uh, it's about encouraging users, one in terms of their water consumption, but reporting it back. But also off the back of that, that the people within the organisation, you know, understand some of the other responsibilities. So, for instance, ensuring you know that you're getting regular servicing and maintenance of your toilets, uh, of yeah. your urinals, of your taps, taking sort of regular meter readings, so to, you, you know can keep on top in terms of your water consumption uh, and working, for instance. Uh, with your energy team to, you know, ensure that, you know, your organisation is being as efficient as it, as it possibly can, because it all makes a difference. Let's talk specifically about frameworks. First of all, what, what is a framework? Can you explain it? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, where a public uh, sector organisation has to, you know, advertise their water procurement. Uh, and certainly if spenders over £25,000 a year, then they'll need to. Uh, yeah. they, they can then manage uh, a tender process, uh, meeting the 
compliance regulations or requirements under the sort of public contract regulations of 2015. So they can do that, but they can then look at existing frameworks. And for most organisations in public sector, that's probably the uh, easier and less time consuming way to sort of go about things because obviously it meets the different uh, legal requirements. Yeah. Uh, frameworks um, obviously go through a process uh, and then uh, for instance, with Walter, where there are a number of different frameworks that Walter Plus are on, uh, including sort of a Pagaboo uh, framework, which is a utility uh, framework, including Walter. But they can um, create significant savings for organisations when it comes to, uh, you know, their water procurement. You know, so obviously they can look at the water and the waste for savings as opposed to uh, if they weren't contracted. And is a framework basically saying we will do this process for this. So we'll have 15% grey water, for example, or we will procure only from these sources, we'll ensure, et cetera. What, what, what is normally outlined in a framework? Different frameworks will potentially have uh, certain sort of different aspects to them, but essentially they can be broken down into different requirements. So potentially water and wastewater. Uh, but it may well be that uh, some frameworks may potentially add in sort of the, the option for uh, additional services. So, for instance, uh, areas that can focus on water efficiency. So that may be, for instance, uh, AMRs, that may be sort of leak detection services. And those different bits can be potentially built into a particular framework. Right. And, and in, in general, sorry to interrupt, but in general, okay. the, these frameworks, do they empower the public sector body to sort of distribute what they need or is it generally right this is my framework I get one supplier such as yourselves or someone else to to so you know to do it or one retailer to look after it what, what what's the sort of process and can it be sort of piecemeal like I'll get one company to do my wastewater I'll do someone else to do this bit I mean, different frameworks potentially are set in different ways. So you may have some frameworks where, for instance, uh, Pagibu, where it may well be a, a framework that is goes through a sort of tender process uh, with different retailers, but is then potentially awarded to uh, one, one retailer. Yeah. They have uh, uh, other frameworks where it then gives a choice. So again, it would have gone through a tender process, but there will be a, a number of water retailers uh, that are then uh, uh, included on that framework and it then would be a case of um, potentially going down what would be called a, a mini tender route where individual retailers would be asked to uh, provide their uh, tender submission for different public sector organisations and the framework body to evaluate on a scoring, scoring mechanism to determine the winning retailer if you'd like to be awarded for that particular public sector and it depends i suppose on an organization in terms of uh, you know which route potentially they want to go down but again on that that's something where uh, water plus as a retailer work with our customers to make them aware in terms of what different options are available in the market and other retailers would do exactly the same of course. Mean, from yeah. that point when you're dealing with energy managers, sustainability managers, they would then work in conjunction with their procurement team to determine, you know, the route to market that they feel uh, is appropriate for them. Where does water sit? This is the thing that I suppose, I think is quite difficult for most people, even I include myself. I kind of see water as water, right? You drink yeah. it, you need it for, for when you go for a pee and all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. But I don't really see water as carbon. 
right? And then I should really, because it's emissions, because there's energy to get that water to you. There's energy in boiling that water. There's all of that. Is it right that water sits for an organisation, particularly public sector ones, it's sort of as a, as a scope three emission, is that right? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, as you, as you said, uh, sort of previously, scope three. I mean, in the, if you think with water and we've touched on it before, if you then take into account, say, for instance, uh, the cost of gas, you know, the cost of water could now be over sort of four times more than the cost of cold water, you know. So when you look at it like that, then it's important to have like water efficient taps, shower heads, other measures, et cetera, that can help, uh, help all of that, help reduce flow rates. Uh, so water use can come down with uh, uh, the way uh, it's been over sort of a, a period of time. And we all know what's happening out there in terms of energy costs with gas and electric. A lot of organisations have potentially um, needed to put focus in that area, uh, but there's a greater recognition of the focus that's needed with water to, you know, save water and ultimately save money and also ultimately reduce the reduce carbon. Yeah, cut carbon. Water is part of it, isn't it? Yeah. That that link between water and carbon. How aware are public sector organisations when you talk to people? Well, do you think that's not is is that clear by now or not? I think, uh, well, it depends, I suppose, what level you're at. I mean, what what's, uh, what I'm finding within public sectors are finding more organisations are becoming more switched on in terms of the roles that people have within their organisation. So potentially there's a greater focus on uh, the introduction of sustainability teams uh, to sort of uh, um, understand the consumption of water, understand how they're using the water, and um, starting to get a greater understanding in terms of their portfolios. We mentioned before, a lot of public sector organisations have got very old buildings. So therefore, you know, how efficient are they in terms of water use as well as energy use overall? You know, so I think there's greater awareness from an organisational point of view to if they're going to sort of work toward net zero, uh, that they've got to give uh, greater focus uh, on the water element to ensure then that uh, they're going to achieve, you know, the objectives that they're set out, as, whether it be through uh, uh, the sort of climate emergency declaration yeah, or uh, like with NHS uh, with the green plan, et cetera. So you look at this and obviously let's take an example, right? You've gone to a public sector body, they like it, you, you want a framework. I suppose the question, particularly, we all know how tough things are now. Budgets are very constrained, even more so for the public sector, right? Every penny has to be accounted for. How much of this kind of carbon saving uh, involves big investments? You know, fixing leaking pipes might cost a lot of money if they're all underneath, you have to rip up flooring and things like that. So when you go in and you, you work with the public sector body, do you, I mean, how, do you do an audit? Do you try and say, look, here's some easier wins? But also the, the real question, Dan, is, a lot of this involves some capital expenditure, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have a, a Water Plus. We've got a, a dedicated advanced services team. So, as I mentioned, my role with customers is obviously uh, to review and un, you know help them reduce their water consumption, but also create awareness at different different levels to look at ways of uh, becoming more efficient. So then I work very closely in introductions of our advanced services team. So they will then work with customers to understand their portfolio. Now, obviously, you work with customers, and I mentioned before, with public sector, 
you know, their, their portfolios are changing really quickly and where they need to prioritise from a portfolio point of view moving forwards. Uh, but we, we always go about it in a responsible way because it's got to be cost effective for the customer in terms of looking maybe for a site, that site that's had historical issues. It may be looking at sites where uh, you're seeing uh, potentially uh, high consumption to try and work them to understand the reason for that, understand changes within that particular location that may impact on that, but then to then drive out whether it be uh, an audit to understand whether it's worthwhile um, introducing, say, for instance, uh, uh, an AMR within a location. And then once and, and if AMRs are introduced within the location, it's then monitoring through uh, the portal and for the customer having access to see where there are spikes. I mean, I give you an example of uh, a university in England that I had dealt with and uh, have AMRs in place. And uh, it was yeah. a couple of Christmases ago and uh, our team had identified a really large spike in consumption. We got in contact with that university and what transpired was that uh, when they sent their maintenance teams to investigate, students had actually left for uh, the Christmas period and left the showers running. Yeah. So, Very uh, me. So you can imagine if that hadn't been yeah. got picked up and identified, what could have happened? You know, and that's just an example of, you know, advanced services team, you know, working with customers, looking at this, looking at the data, and then off that, uh, uh, determining next actions. You know, so detection is just as important. As soon as you pick up that there's a potential issue, you know, you're potentially making that organisation more efficient and, you, you know, it's paying for the cost of an AMR. So, yes, there is investment to begin with. Yeah. Obviously, if it's responsible investment, uh, then uh, uh, you get your money back. I'd probably say in the region of about a year, depending on the particular example, you know, so it's worth doing one from saving money, but also from an efficiency point of view as well. Uh, just before we end. Um... Yeah. Things like, you know, people have heard of power purchase agreements, PPAs. Um, can you create something like this around water so that you can say, actually, this will be a three-year plan or four? Because like you say, mo most of these organisations declare an emergency, they set a plan, and it might be over five years, 10 years, 15, whatever. But, you know, there'll be short-term periods where you say, right, I want to go from point A to at least point C, and this is the investment. Is there something like that, the way that, you know, those funding vehicles are out there for people who want to do energy efficiency or generation, whatever. Is there anything like that in the water world? The only thing I would say from an efficiency point of view, and I think there's sort of a, the, the key thing we're always sort of driving through with customers is obviously ensuring that, you know, we've got the water saving devices that can, you know, be helpful for customers that can sort of give a quick payback, but ensure then that uh, um, it helps reduce uh, sort of consumption, reduce leaks. I mean, the, the key message I always uh, look from with, with any customers I talk about is, is one, you know, ensure you've got like uh, awareness of uh, your portfolio and all people within your organisation know the responsibility to identify report leaks, to ensure that, you know, you're doing sort of regular maintenance of, uh, across your portfolio of pipes. And obviously we're coming into a period of winter where, you know, it's prime for potentially getting sort of uh, leakage pipes burst pipes, et cetera. You know, so regular service is important. The other thing is encouraging users to ensure that they're um, doing regular customer reads as well, because if they're providing um, reads, then it means that obviously one, they're getting uh, accurate billing, up-to-date billing, 
but it also means that they're able to sort of uh, identify through that if there's potential uh, issues related to uh, leaks uh, in and around their meter. And the final thing, it, it's always to liaise with uh, uh, your water retailer, because if, you, if you're liaising, for instance, with your uh, account manager, your key account manager, and then you know where to go if you've got an issue. So for instance, obviously with Water Plus, we've got a, a leak detection service that we can offer um, and other water efficiency uh, options as well. Then that's all going to sort of go towards you know saving the saving money uh, within that public sector organisation, saving water, but also ultimately about what we're about here is uh, um, that drive towards uh, net zero as well, uh, and water plays its part in that, uh, and will continue to do so as well. Do you know what? Can't think of a better place to stop. Dan, thanks very much for that. And and if uh, you know people have been listening in and they want more information. Um, can they either contact you direct or is there something you can give out to help? Yeah, I mean, I would say sort of contact uh, our communications team at, at Water Plus. Dan Hutchins from Water Plus, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, as we say, this will be uh, published uh, later when you're listening in. You'll find all the details if you want to get in touch with anyone on our Future Net Zero partner page, which has got details for, for Water Plus. Dan, thanks a lot for your time today. Thanks very much. Pleasure. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com.